7, verses 24 to 27. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Uh, even I cannot see you, but I know that you are there. And I pray that the Lord will put us together around his word and we will meditate and we will learn the things that he wants us to teach us this morning. So uh, before I continue, I would love to pray. I would love uh, if you join me uh, in prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray this morning that your word will dwell in us abundantly and that you will produce in us a desire to obey it and to put it into practice. We ask this through Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so, um, for the past four Sundays, Pastor Douglas and I have been talking about the miracles and signs that answer the question, who is Jesus, right? So last week, we were talking about Jesus himself answering this question. And in John chapter 8, verse 58, he answering this question saying, before Abraham, I am. You remember that? That was astonished for the people who were listening to him because they were saying, I mean, you have 30, 30 years, 31 years old, and you are for Abraham. But the, 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 the I am that he was using there was the same I am that Moses here from God himself when he, was, when he was commissioned to go to Egypt to deliver the people of Israel. So God is the same God in the person of Jesus. If you read the New Testament in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 15 to 20, says that Jesus is the image of the invisible, invisible God, the one before all creation. And later, if you continue reading that passage, says, by him... By Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth. And in him, all things hold together. So imagine the person who was saying to the disciples and to the leaders, religious leaders there, before Abraham, I am. 
I am the creator. I am the one who sustains all things and put all things together. Paul, later in the book of, in the, in the letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, verse 6, says that Christ was the very nature and form of God. And Hebrews 1, verse 1 to 3, says that the Son was the exact representation of God's being. Titus Chapter 2, verse 3 says that our God, thanks be to our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. What I am trying to point in all this passage is that all scriptures support that Jesus is the image of God. He is God himself. So, according to John as we read last week, chapter 20, verse 30, all the signs, all the miracles, all the things that Jesus was doing when he was here on earth was to prove and to show all of us that he was God. In closing the Gospel of John, he says, the signs are written so that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believed we may have life in His name. Isn't that beautiful? That when we believe in Jesus Christ, we may have life, we may have life in His name. But let me tell you something. Believing is just the beginning. Believing is just the, be is the, is the beginning of our journey. When we believe, we become disciples of Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 5 to chapter 7, Jesus is telling the ABCs of a disciple of Jesus. The foundation of being a disciple of Jesus. What is the implications of believing in Jesus? What is the things that we do later when we believe in Jesus? And we all know that chapter 5 to chapter 7 is called the Sermon of the Mount. The Sermon of the Mount. And the passage that we are reading this morning is just the conclusion. It's the closing, the final thoughts of Jesus after his Sermon on the Mount. So, have, have you ever met uh, with financial advisors? Have you ever met with a, a financial planner? Well, I, probably in Latin America, that's not very common, but here, everybody needs to meet a financial advisor, right? And when you go into them, we say, would you please help us out of this mess called finance? 
And, and please give us a plan for how we can bring some form of financial security to our families or to our person or to, or to us. And usually they advise us, oh, well, look, you need to get into, you, you need to tighten up a little bit, uh, you know, uh, uh, your belt, you need to reduce, uh, if you want to secure uh, your future, you need to reduce expenses here and there, whatsoever. You will need to spend, uh, you will need to spend a little bit uh, less than what you have been spending for, for uh, up to now. And you are going to have to look in terms of what are you laying aside for your future. You need to make some decisions in order to secure your future. Because to secure your future, you need to have insurance for your life, insurance if you lost your job, insurance for your kids, insurance if you, when you will stop working full time. You need to secure your future. And... This is what is happening here at the closing of the Sermon of the Mount. All these financial advices are good. I'm not saying that these are not good things. Please follow your financial advisor. But what they are saying is stop thinking in the moment. You need to start thinking long range you need to start thinking uh focus not in the momentary but in the in the future and that as well is the advice that chapter 7 at the end verses 24 to 29 is giving us in this in this story because sometimes we can so be caught up in the things that we are doing now but we forgot about the things that have eternal implications. Our minds sometimes are so wrapped up with the ambitions that we have, with the desires that we have, with the plans that we have, whether those be desires for relationships, whether those be desires for success, whether those be desires for acceptance or popularity, or desires of have a, a peaceful life. Sometimes when we wrap up our minds on those things, we lose sight of the most important things for the eternity. And that is where Jesus is coming here and he's closing this sermon and he's helping us to understand that we need to stop thinking just in the moment but building for the eternity. So in this story, we have two men, both of whom hear Christ's words and instructions of, ins or of exhortation. One, as Grace was telling us in the story, one obeys the words of Jesus, and the other one hear the words of Jesus, but does not obey them. The one who listens and obeys 
is called the wise. And the one who does not listen, it's called the fool. The original word in Greek for fool is moron. So that's, I'm sorry, I'm just uh, Greek. I'm not, I'm not saying that word to anybody, but that's what the Bible says there. It's like, if you don't listen and don't obey, you're a moron, right? So then the story comes to something that happened to both of them. The storm of trials and tribulations comes for both of them. One house stand firm, and the other is destroyed. And listen to me here. We, did, we don't need to make mistakes here because the difference between these two men is the response to the words of Jesus. Their, their response to the Sermon of the Mount, their obedience or disobedience to the words of Jesus is the difference. Both men have heard the words of Jesus. But only one acts upon and obeys the words of Jesus. So here is the matter of this point here. Hearing is not enough. Admiration is not enough. Believing the truth of what you hear and admire is not enough. Memorizing and even preaching and singing and celebrating or defending the truth is not enough. There must be acting. There must be obeying. There must be something that we need to be doing if we want to be wise according to this story. We need, to, we need to observe that most likely both houses, I love how Grace did it because both houses look the same. There is no different in the outside. There is no different on the houses in, in the exterior of the houses. Both appear secure. There are no visible signs of weakness in either one. But the stability of the foundation will reveal only when the storm of divine judgment comes. That is what is going to show the difference. The foolish man does not intentionally build a house on the sand thinking that his house is going to fall. He has all the confidence in the world that his house will stand. If, if he doesn't have that confidence, he will not build a house. But he thinks that building his house, similar to the other person, is going to be good enough. It's going to be safe. And so he proceeds and builds his house. But those who build on the foundation of obedience of what Jesus said, so the Bible says that Jesus 
it says to the disciples, that is going to stand. The test of the rain, of the flood, and the wind. You see, up, down, and the side, the three, three ways that the house is going to be tested. From above, from below, and from the sides. The house is going to be tested. And there is nothing impressive from one house and the other house. There is nothing that you say, okay, is, is the words of Jesus are going to be like, uh, um, like my talisman to, 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 to stand on the test of trial. There is no difference at all that can be seen. But one is going to be stand and the other is going to be destroyed. Jesus says that the same storm hit the disciples who hear Jesus, and the same storm hit the disciples who don't hear Jesus. So you see, obedience to the words of Jesus are very important for a disciple of Jesus. And something else that I want to close in this thought. The foundation under a house, listen to this, the foundation under the house is, does not protect the house from the storm. The foundation does not protect the house from the storm the foundation the foundation just support the house during the storm so when you obey jesus doesn't mean that you are not going to be tested that there are not going to be trials Yes, the same, the fool, and the same, the wise. The foundation is just supporting the house when the, when the storm comes. But by now, I hope that you are asking yourself, so anyways, what are these words of Jesus? What are the things that I need to, I need to listen and I need to obey? What is this Sermon of the Mounts about? And I am glad you are asking because I want to go very quickly to what is these words of Jesus that he is asking us to listen and to obey. So if you go to the chapter 5, it starts with verse 1. When his disciples came to him, and the first thing he is saying there is that blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed are the hunger of th and thirst of righteousness, blessed are the merciful, the pure of hearts, the pure of hearts, the peacemaker, and those persecuted for being for doing, I'm sorry, what is right. That is the, those are the words of Jesus.
These are the words of Jesus. A disciple of Jesus will manifest in the world his light for Christ and his savor influence in society and conformity to the word, to the God's word in all times. These are the words of Jesus according to Matthew verses uh, chapter 5 verses 13 to 17. These are the words of Jesus. That the disciples of Jesus will exhibit a new understanding of what means justice. A new understanding that not only, not only is killing a sin, but also feats of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, and envy. Not only is adultery a sin, but also lust. Faithfulness in marriage is a true sign of discipleship. And as well, faithfulness in speaking. Vengeance and retaliation are opposite to be a disciple of Jesus. And to love the enemies is to build upon the rock. These are the words of Jesus. A true disciple, says Matthew, uh, chapter, uh, uh, starting in chapter 6, a true disciple practice the following things. First, a true disciple of Jesus give to the poor. A true disciple of Jesus Think about those who are in need and help them in secret. According to Matthew verses, chapter 6, verse 1 to 4, a true disciple of Jesus, second, pray not in public but in the privacy of his room in completely humility and in completely dependence on the Heavenly Father. These are the words of Jesus. Through disciple of Jesus, practice fasting. Not to be seen by others, but before the Father who is in secret. These are the words of Jesus. Laying up the heavenly treasure in absolute, absolute confidence in the Heavenly Father to supply all the real needs and overcome all troubled circumstances. These are the words of Jesus. When we are giving value to eternal treasures than material possessions, these are the, the words of Jesus. A true disciple will be a man and a woman cautious in their judgment of others, cautious on their own fault and cautious and confident and earnest in prayer, being careful of false teachers. These are the words of Jesus according to chapter 7. So this is the meaning of building upon 
the rock. This is the meaning of being a disciple of Jesus. This is the foundation of a disciple of Jesus. What our Lord Jesus is saying here in this closing of his sermon is very, very simple. A lot of people hear Christ's word, but that is not enough to be a true disciple. Many people hear the words of Jesus, but if they examine their life, there is all hearing and not a doing. That is building upon the sand. And the storm that is coming upon the wise and upon the fool will manifest the truth. After the storm, we will know who is a doer and who is just a listener. Now, I want you to pay attention to this. Jesus is not saying that we save ourselves by our obedience or by practicing all these things. You can do all the things that Jesus is saying there, but that is not a security for your salvation. James explains that a little bit in his letter and saying, okay, listen, I know that you are all believers, but you need to be doers and not just listeners. You need to be practicing some things. But I'm not saying that your salvation depends on the things that you do. That is not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is calling his disciples to build their lives upon the foundation of himself, upon the foundation of Jesus himself being him, the God who is the word, the manifested word of God, who has the authority to tell us how we should live while we have the opportunity here because judgment is coming for everybody. We all are going to be in front of God one day. There is no escape for anybody. And there we will know who is a doer and who is a listener. If you read the chapter, the, the couple of verses before the story of these two men, oh, everybody's going to say, I was doing this and I was doing that. And Jesus is going to say, I don't know you. Because first, you need to know who is Jesus. And then you need to act, you, you need to act upon what you believe. First, we need to believe that He is the Word of God incarnated, that He is the foundation, that Jesus is the rock. He calls us to conform our thoughts and desires and our words and actions to Him, to be like Him. 
And this is the doing that he is talking about here. What saves us is his life. What saves us is his death and his resurrection. But once we believe that he has been doing these things, so then we obey him because we recognize that he is God and he has the authority to tell us, live in this way. Live these things and do these things because that is being wise. Look at what Jesus says in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 21. Whoever, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. So you see, the character of a true disciple of Jesus is when Jesus himself is producing in us this love and this desire to follow him and to do and obey him the things that he is asking us to do, to live in a different way that the world lives in this earth, to love our enemies, to have a life that is thinking about others and not about ourselves. To live thinking not in the material, material possessions of the things that we, we possess and to, to want more, but to live for Jesus, thinking in the eternity. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he is who loves me. So according to Matthew, the closing of the sermon of Jesus is that obedience is a result of love for Jesus. Once you know him, you obey him. Let me close this morning with a couple of questions that I was reading uh, this week uh, in a meditation of uh, a pastor whose name is Sam Storm. So appropriate, appropriate for, for today is Sam Storm. But he was, he was making these, these questions and I need to be honest with you. When I was reading these questions, I was thinking about myself. And I was thinking about how I need to stop building upon the sand and how I need to start to build upon the rock in obedience to the teachings of Jesus. Listen to a couple of his questions. Do we feel a more profound sense 
of a spiritual bankruptcy? Do we recognize that we are the poor in the spirit, the ones who mourn and need be comforted, the ones who are meek, those who are hunger? Do we are recognizing that we are the ones who need the mercy of Jesus, the purity of heart? Do we grieve more deeply over sin than we used to? Or are we flippant and casual about our moral and spiritual decadence? Do we grieve more deeply over anger, over lust, over divorce, over vengeance, or over hate? Do we show mercy to others? Do we show mercy to the poor and those who are in need? Is our obedience external only, a mere conformity to the rules for convenience sake, or is our passion for purity a matter of the heart's desire? As I said, these are questions for me. What steps have we taken to preserve and promote peace in the body of Christ and among our companions? How have we responded to occasions in the past two months to reconcile with others or to stop conflict? before it emerges? How has your relationship with the world changed after hearing what Jesus said about being salt and about being light? Have you deal drastically and radically with the sin in your life or you do continue to toy with it and to figure it out ways to get away with as much as possible? Those are questions that we need to be asking. Because those are the words of Jesus. Those are the things that as disciple of Jesus we need to be thinking. Has your prayer life changed at all? It is more God-centric than it used to be? What is your attitude towards money? Are you obsessed with temporary treasures. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them 
will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell. And the floods came. And the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall. Because, because it has been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came. And the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. The question is, who, who do you want to be? I am happy that I have his word that I, when I am building my house upon on the sand, I mean, I have his word that can teach me how I can stop building on the sand and start to appeal upon the rock. That's the beauty of being a disciple of Jesus, that his word correct us, that his word give us not like uh, this uh, discouragement, but encourage us to say, Lord, I want to obey your words because I love you. Not because I am being forced to do these things, not because he's the right thing to do, but because I love you. And that change, that change your foundation. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for opening our eyes to see who you are. The rock, the word of God, that has the authority to tell us how to be your disciples, how to live our lives building on the right foundation who is your word. We pray that our lives through your word will be encouraged this morning to start building or to continue building upon the rock. Take away, Lord, any desires to live in a different way that is not your word. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen.